0: Okay, So um, the question I had, uh, actually, I have two. But the first one is, um, so I'm doing this more and more throughout the day. And uh, I'm feeling um, how important it is. I mean, how the benefits are uh, doing this practice uh, of Anapanasati. And Mm -hmm. I feel uh, the well-being uh, getting better and better. So I would like to make it a priority. In my life, even
1: more. Um, Well, and rather, instead of making it a priority, just make it something to remember. Yeah. I mean, if you you, uh, make it a priority, then when you fail at it, you'll feel bad. And can you remember that you don't have to feel bad when you forget? (laughs) Rather, you feel good when you remember. (laughs) I see. <laughs> those, those are the subtleties of language that we can, uh, that helps us to come out of being a victim. Because when you make it a priority, then that means that you want it. It's something needed and necessary. Mm. So rather than a treat.
2: Okay, so for
0: yeah. Su-
1: for success.
0: For so being less uh, heavy about it. I being didn't less- hear that one. So being less. um, I would say. Make it less important, but uh, enjoy it more often, something like this.
1: Well, yes, that's in fact um, uh, one of the other words that that I heard you use already, and that is the word important.
2: Then, in (laughs) fact,
1: the word important seems to be important in Western culture. And that when things are important, that means that they have weight that they're heavy big deals and that kind of stuff so wouldn't your life be a whole lot more pleasant and easy to deal with if nothing was important you didn't have anything important there was nothing that was heavy there was no big deals anywhere yeah (laughs) how can we come to that state well One of the ways of doing it is recognizing the distinction that we call attitude, which is the sama sankapa, because the victim is the one who sees things important. The victim is the one who sees things as needed and necessary and vital because you can't do without it. Victims are the ones then that carry heavy loads for other people. So that they don't have to carry the heavy load. And they're very happy to let whoever wants to carry the heavy load carry it. They don't have to. So which do you want to be? The one who thinks that things are important? And then therefore so important that you're willing to haul them around? Or are you going to take the attitude of things not important? I can get somebody who thinks it's important and go let them do it. Yeah, oh, I'm giving myself away, am I not,
2: Sky?
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
4: I'm not a good candidate. I don't think it's important.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't tell anybody because it's not important. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So this is how we begin to understand things. This is part of the attitude change from being a victim into being a winner is by dropping away the importance. Which means that any time that you see something is important, wake up. That's the time that you need to have sati is when we're thinking about something that's important so that we can start adding some wholesome thoughts to that. Like an example for me, because I don't have really many examples of my own, but one example for me is the visa, the yearly visa, and then the um, 30-day check-in that is required. When that's a big deal, when it's important, there's a lot of confusion around it. In fact, I did that for years because the uh, the uh the Thai government has a habit of every year or every new officer, they change the list of things that you have to do. But now that I know that whole list, we do every one of them whether they want it this month or not. <laughs> But it's it's still an attitude. If I walk into that visa office like this is gonna take a lot of time and I don't wanna do it and the woman's not a happy person anyway and look at all of these people that are in front of me and I wish they'd go away so I could be first. All of those kind of thoughts, that makes the trip to the visa office very burdensome, very heavy because that visa was very important. Mm -hmm. And we go into it with a a, uh, loser's attitude. But if you walk into the visa office with, hey, I own this place, and I've got all the paperwork that I need, and I've got plenty of time for the the servants to deal with me, and because I have more time than all these other people that are in a hurry, I'll just kind of gently let them go first, especially since they think that they deserve to be first because they got here before I did. So this is a kind of an attitude change. And the attitude is, is that this visa is a piece of cake. I can handle this. I know what to do. Then in fact, is so easy that I've even trained Tam how to do it. And she does it all in Thai language and all I have to do is just stand there in case they want me to sign something. Other than that, just showing up is all I've got to do. And she does everything. Now, isn't that an easy way to get a visa?
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> because it's a change in attitude, and all I've done is changed my attitude from a whole lot of work into this is a piece of cake. All I have to do is just sit here, let her stand in line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I see. Okay, yeah, that's quite so- a quite a big change because I, I usually uh, when I get into something, I make it very important and get uh, good at it or, you know, exploit it uh, (laughs) to get Ah, the satisfaction out of it,
1: usually. Okay. Well, the Uh, real satisfaction is when you do it because it's so easy. It was such a piece of cake, you're almost amazed at how easy it is now.
0: Yeah. I see how that's uh, much lighter.
1: Yeah. The taking Uh, of the lighter attitude about everything that we do because nothing is really that important that how I handle this moment is the only thing that's important. And really, if I can handle it, it's not important either. (laughs) 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 And this is the marvelous part about the Eightfold Noble Path that so many Western Buddhists just miss. They think that the Eightfold Noble Path is a list of things that they need to learn to take some exam someday. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Instead of remembering, these these are the key ingredients of our life. To remember, to change our attitude about stuff. Keep remembering. Go. So that's that's kind of the the only job that's left to do is to find the easy way out. That the, the, the teaching of the Buddha is actually uh, the lazy man's guide to enlightenment. Those who work hard, sorry, you can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> you work too hard. And you know what happens to a worker who goes into a, let us say, a unionized plant. and his, And right off the bat, his productivity is twice that of everybody else in the plant. Is he going to be good friends with him or not?
2: Hmm. No, they're not going to
1: like the fact that he's more productive. That means that now they have to be more productive too. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you take it easy and be like everybody else? And then things are just really easy. Why do we have to? But we're taught, oh, you've got to be the very best. You've got to do it better than everybody else. And we pick up on that. Rather than just being good enough to get by. And that's the lazy man, and he's the one who's happy. We can see that in many places. And one of them that's my favorite is uh, in any work team, and mine uh, my uh, remembrance is that with uh, with software developers, with a you know team lead and all of that kind of stuff. And that is is that, I have never seen anybody fired who was the friend of the boss. When when the boss doesn't like somebody's work, that's because he doesn't like that guy. And that's the guy that gets fired no matter how productive he is. If you're not friends with the boss, you're his target. But if you are friends with the boss, even if you're incompetent, you won't get fired. But they don't tell you that in school, now, do they? They don't tell you that your biggest job at any job that you ever have is go be best buddies with the boss and you can skate and be lazy for the rest of your career. Yeah. And just in case they do do something really stupid like give you a promotion, you got to go make boss with his boss, too. What if
0: you are your own boss? you become your own best
1: friend? Well, that's, well, hello, that's Dama now, isn't it? Just to learn to be the boss and to be your own best friend. Rather than seeing those people in those uh, offices who think they're the boss, actually, you're the boss. That's the only way you can really make friends with him is by being as equal. If you go in there to suck up to him, you'll stay a victim to him, No matter what you say or do. Because it's your attitude anyway. And you've got a choice about that attitude. If you remember, you've got a choice about the attitude. (laughs) (laughs) And so this is why Sati is the lead. It's the beginner. It is the startup of everything. And that is, is, if you remember to do it, you could do it. If you don't remember to do it, you don't. Yeah. And we've got a whole lot of past that we would rather remember because it's been standing in line for so long. All these to-do lists, all this stuff to do, all of these goals, all of these uh, uh, things that we want. They always come into cloud mind. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember to throw that stuff back out and leave things empty leave things lazy. If I don't have a long to-do list, then I'm not going to worry or fret over that to-do list, either when I'm doing it or not doing it. So the idea is to keep a very short to-do list. That in fact, it would be a whole lot better. You can think of, have you ever heard of Buddhism being nihilism or or nihilistic? Uh, uh, A better way of talking about it is via negative. By the way of subtraction rather than by the way of addition, to where all religions have to do about addition. They'll add a God, they'll add a rule, they'll add a you know, they'll add a new church, they'll add a new uniform for people to wear, they'll add a new song to the songbook, they'll add guitars. I mean, they just keep adding and adding and adding to it. It gets heavy that way. Religions wind up being heavy because of all the stuff that's added to it. But with the teaching of the Buddha, it's always about subtraction. That is, if you don't need it, throw it out. It's heavy to carry. We want to lighten our load. We want to throw things out. So you're not ever going to gain anything from the teaching of the Buddha. You're only going to lose stuff you're going to wind up being empty or you're going to actually wind up recognizing that you were empty all along and you thought that what you had filled yourself up with was not empty too. (laughs) 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 But when we begin to see that stuff is empty, we can begin to throw it out. And now we have space and the space is uh, dedicated to laziness dedicated to no place to go and nothing to do, just to chill out and enjoy the fact that you're alive. Not that you have to work at doing something so
2: that later you could feel alive. You could feel alive right now. And there, when you do feel alive,
1: vibrantly alive, um, high quality alive, then nothing is important as that. Just being alive, that's the only thing that we've got that's important. And everything else was, let us say, at least indirect. And that we have a thing inside called a self-preservation instinct. An instinct to stay alive. Now, why would all... uh, all the animals and uh, all the mammals, all the birds, even the ticks and the, uh, the ants. If you try to chase down an ant or even a gecko, if you put your hand anywhere close to a gecko, he's going to scurry away out of fear because that's self-preservation instinct. It's that deeply buried in our genes. The problem with humans is, is that we have been very wise to remove most of the dangers from our lives, but we forgot to recognize that. So that even though you are completely free of all dangers, we still feel fear as if there is a danger. But whatever the danger is must be mental because it's not physical. You've got no rattlesnakes in your room. You've got no lizards in the corner. You've got no uh, mafia breaking down the door. Why do people spend so much time with a little fear when in fact there is really no dangers at all? Having, Having false dangers then is a lot of work that we don't have to do. So if we could find a way of feeling safe, then we don't have to work. That's one of the ways of being lazy is by feeling safe and secure. Because if we feel afraid, we feel like running, we feel agitated, we feel worried, we feel like we need to do something. So, in fact, fear is at, at the base of the bottom of all of that. That doesn't mean that, that uh, fear is important. It means that we can use that as a point of mindfulness so that we can reverse it. If we cannot see our own fear, then we can't deal with it. But if we can see that fear and see where it comes from, we can talk ourselves right back out of it. We basically talk ourselves into being afraid. We have thoughts of dangerous things, and then we feel afraid. And then because we feel afraid, we take a more dangerous things to think about. Where is the sati in all of that? If we can wake up, we can cut that cycle. And we can wake up and then assure ourselves, you know, really things are safe right now. Whatever I was thinking about, whatever danger that I was thinking about, is not right here, right now. It's some place in my mind, some concept, something in the past, something in the future. But right now, I'm okay.
2: I'm good to go. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, Even
0: even boredom, right? Because you're thinking like, I have uh, much more time in the future to stay like uh, in this situation. If you're doing, let's say, nothing,
1: (laughs) you you will think
0: like I will do nothing for the next four hours and then you'll get bored. right?
1: Well, let us say if we look at boredom correctly, we can see it for what it is and that you could go so far as to say in English it's labeled wrongly. But everybody knows what it actually is. An example of that is when the child in the backseat of the long journey says, Mom, I'm bored. What does mom do? Does she not think of some toy or some gadget or some uh, activity for the child to occupy the child's mind? Okay. Basically, what that is is that mom knows that the child is not bored. He's agitated. He's restless. Yes, The mind is restless. If you were truly bored in the sense of boredom, you'd bore yourself into slumber. You'd go to sleep. That's not an Mm -hmm. unpleasant thing to do. That sounds pretty lazy to me. It's just to not Mm -hmm. often go to sleep. That's a good kind of boredom. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about boredom, more than likely what you're talking about is the feeling of restlessness, a feeling of agitation. Mm Mm-hmm. So, what can we do about that? Well, the first thing is you got to start labeling it correctly. And then you got to see it correctly. And when you can see it correctly, now you know what to do about it. And taking the lazy man's way out of it, the answer is there's nothing to do. (laughs) 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 And when you truly remember and truly understand that there is nothing to do, that'll spinning of the wheel of the uh, restless mind kind of takes a rest too. When you tell yourself, Hey, I don't have to do that right now. I can throw that kind of thinking out. So boredom is often all, almost always the
2: bugle call of either rebellion or charge. Practice generally charge. Okay, you know the vehicle
1: will call for charge? Okay, and we just play that charge all the time when in fact what we need to play is taps. I you know what go? taps is. Well, they play okay. that both at uh, 10 o'clock at night when they turn the lights out and they also play it at funerals. So I'm oh, very good taps. at taps. Okay. <laughs> okay. And that is, it's over now. And it's over now. Taps is completely different than retreat.
0: (laughs)
3: It's
1: like a lullaby. (laughs) No place to go. Nothing to do. I am dead and now (laughs) relaxed. Okay, so we live by the bugle call of charge. That's the restlessness. The bugle call underneath that is charge. You got to go do something. You're in a hurry. The child in the back seat will stop telling mom long enough that he's bored to ask dad, when are we going to get there? And now he's being really clear about it because that's really what's going on that he doesn't like what's going on right now. He wants to do something. It is agitated and he has no place to put that agitation. And the child has the unskilled to recognize that he can just simply put that agitation down.
2: If he was truly bored, he could take a nap. Mom would prefer him to take a nap rather than her having to worry about
1: giving him something to do because he claims he's bored when in fact he's restless and agitated instead. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I see, yeah, because you when you're bored, you think the, the the thing that will relieve the boredom is doing something instead of
2: dropping right. uh,
1: exactly, that we think that okay. the activity will prevent the restlessness where in fact, the activity just increases the restlessness
0: because you get in the habit <clears throat> of uh, getting more restless and, uh, exactly. Okay, makes sense
1: yeah that's right so we actually go in the wrong direction to solve many of our problems we chase after the problem rather than just relaxing and recognizing it's not a problem at all
2: yeah
3: i feel like in our chasing uh,
2: yeah go ahead this is this is very common right in uh
0: just uh our usual everyday problems that we make them bigger by trying to avoid them.
1: Precisely. That yeah. in fact, we're making them big in the first place, and then we would want something to avoid that's big. If we see things as they are, they probably weren't big at all. Yeah. Possibly just a piece of cake. You can handle that. No problem. But when we make it big, make it important, then that belittles us. And turns us back into a victim. And so that's the whole point about this attitude that the Buddha is on about this samasankapa, we've got to change the attitude from the loser that has unwholesome thoughts about how bad things are into the winner who feels so good about how he can manage things so well. Even to the point that you'll get the attitude that wh- that when you die, you can't
2: stop that, but you can manage your own death quite well. In fact, like Socrates, a... you can have you
1: can leave them laughing, <laughs> but most people can't handle their own death, and so they leave them in tears. So
2: that's a way of looking at it. If you've got a crowd around you when you die, can you leave them laughing? That's because it's not important that you die. What's important
1: is your joy. When joy becomes as important as life itself, then when you die, even though you
2: have to lose your life, you still got your joy. So this is a way of looking at it is, is that um, all of this
1: pain and suffering and all of that is basically due to the fact that we make things important. Or in fact, things are really not as important as we imagine that are, and then in fact, the problem then is, is that we do imagine rather than look at what's real. <laughs> And we play a whole lot of what-if games. Well, what if this happens? Or so what if that happens? All right? And because of that, we act as if it were real and important. For in fact, no, it was just a thought.
2: Yeah. This
1: is why investigation is so wonderful. And it doesn't matter what it is, but in the sense of the mind, that's the issue, or that's the key, is to keep examining. Scott, you were on the call when we actually did the examination of the uh, um, the PayPal and found out that it was actually much easier than we had worried about, because we did the investigation rather than the worry. <laughs> and so, if we will do that with our own mind. Then we can actually just throw out a lot of that word
2: because it was unnecessary. Because we can actually see what's going on. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's uh? Yeah. yeah. I uh, kind of see what you mean. Uh-huh. I mean. Like in the in this moment, what is going on, and not what uh, it's going to happen um, if I don't do this, or yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I see.
1: Ah, you just almost stumbled on something. The quote is, is, that if I don't do something about that, I'll feel bad." Yeah. And so we go do it. That's that's a delusion. The real point is, is that when I'm thinking about that, I feel bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> and all I have to do is stop thinking about it, and I won't have to feel bad. But here we go thinking about something that will possibly happen and so we feel bad and now the only way to go get rid of our bad feelings is by going and performing some task to prevent the disaster that we dreamt up. And when we recognize that almost all the disasters we've ever had in our life was because
2: we were dreaming them up. Yeah. And so stop that dreaming and start looking
1: at really what's going on. And that's the easy way out. I know a lot of people don't like that about Buddhism because they have the idea from Christianity that you've got to be worthy of God's. um, Presence or whatever, you know, you got to be a good person or whatever. And uh, so you don't deserve it yet. And the answer to that is. You're already alive. You've already proven yourself that you've got all the gods you need. Here you are alive. Relish that. Enjoy that. And you don't have to follow anybody else's orders or rules or anything in order to feel the marvelous presence of God just by taking the next breath.
4: And and if you meet some god in the afterlife who disagrees, then you can teach him the Dhamma.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. Which would be a whole lot better than my old way of doing it, and that is is that I'm caught in the presence of God. I'm going to chew him out for cancer, spiders, uh, uh, mosquitoes, uh, Trump. I mean, I've got a whole long list of things that God has really screwed up. And after my list, I'm going to say, see you later. Grab Jesus by the arm and we'll go have a beer. (laughs) Because I already belong in this place. In fact, I am the boss. This guy that's been running this place has has made some major catastrophes. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't do a
4: very good job.
1: (laughs) And the whole process is about leaving the body and going to heaven. Well, I'm going to go first class. Then I've got a first class ticket because I've been a good boy. The The ones, you know, the big part of the plane is, is a, what they call economy class. That's because they're there because they're there for the grace of God. They ain't done nothing right. But God is still going to let them in because they signed up. They're called Christians, you know. So Christians are second class citizens on my plane to heaven. <laughs> it's like
4: it's like a participation trophies. <laughs> Instead of being the winner.
1: <laughs> right, a participation trophy. Got it. Exactly. Right. So the attitude is it doesn't matter what happens after death. I can handle that. I don't even have to make a plan. If
2: I can handle being alive, I can handle being dead. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And so being in the present moment, knowing that you can handle
1: anything, that's going in that direction of the samus and Kappa or the right attitude. I could do it. Boredom, yeah, I could sleep when I'm bored. And I can tell the difference between being bored being restless. And when I'm restless, I know just exactly what to do. Give myself something to do. It's called to nothing. <laughs> Let's play with some nothing for a while. I like that word, nothing. It's my best, it's my favorite Buddhist joke. When a student comes up and says, oh, I've had this realization and I've had that realization. And my answer always is, you ain't seen nothing yet. That nothing nothing now That's special There is nothing (laughs) as special Or as important as nothing
2: That's your top dog (laughs) Nothing (laughs) And there's a
1: song about it It's called Bobby McGee It was done by Chris Gustafsson and others and And it has the line in it Um Uh, that she uh, left him nothing and then later he
2: says freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose Mm. so when all you've got is nothing you've got all you need freedom that makes sense Uh so what's important Enough to drag around.
1: <laughs> Whatever yeah. it is that's important, that's your bondage, and it, you will not
2: find freedom in important things. You can only find freedom in nothing at all. Nothing to it. And when there's nothing to it, that makes your life so easy. You can
1: rest. The word in Nepali, by the way, is uh, uh, pasana. And it's translated into English as tranquility and by doing so misses the point altogether. Tranquility is not what we're practicing here. It's having, let us call it peace of mind or uh, nothing to it.
2: That's what we would use as it, just there's nothing to it. So anytime that you have a thought of something important, like boredom
1: or wanting something to do, see that as, wait a minute, the real way of handling restlessness is by giving it something called nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> or another way of thinking about it is talk, think to yourself or talk about the Dhamma, or th- think about something wholesome. Because wholesome stuff is lightweight, unwholesome stuff is heavy. And so thinking about the Dhamma—that really—I mean—I get such a kick out of just sitting and musing about how my, how nice, how marvelous the Dhamma is, how easy and compact it is, and you know, so having thoughts like that
2: leave us in a state of, I can handle
1: this. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: I think I've, I've already made the data important, <laughs> and now
0: I, I need to chill out about it.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard <laughs> to be amazed and bored at the same time. Yeah. And yet exactly the same thing. When you are amazed, the word means that you are in a maze. And when you're in a maze, the thing that we want is to get out of the maze, and we don't know where to go. So when things are amazing, I mean, things can have a different quality. So amazing is what the uh, victim says, and the the winner says, "Wow." He's not amazed in the sense of being confused at all. He could just appreciate it the way it is without having to know exactly what it is. That is our thirst for knowledge but that thirst for knowledge is to make sure that we know enough so that things will remain safe. Mm. Well, we're already safe. That's the whole point. We're already safe. We don't need any new knowledge. We got everything we need already. Thank you very much. And yet Westerners, we are in thirst for knowledge. Those that are Buddhist and have thirst for knowledge, we call them scholars, and they'll they'll learn three languages. (laughs) And they'll read all kinds of suttas, but they're still
2: amazed by it and haven't learned to be lazy, which was the real teaching of the Buddha in the first place. And so we don't need to know so much. We just need to know
1: enough. And what is enough? The Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Noble Path. Practice of Anapanasati and the understanding of the way that the mind works, that little bit is enough. And we could be happy with just that much. And all of that other stuff like magic and rebirth and reincarnation, we will never see the end of that because we keep wanting more and more. You see, the problem is not that stuff, whether it exists or not. It's the lust for it that is the
2: problem that people are bored without it. And so a lot of people are lusting after it. I mean, there's whole groups of people who are gathering together at one time for
1: fire meditations, fire casinos, all of them wanting power.
2: And the powerful one is the one who really doesn't want any power because he's already got enough. And the
1: same is with knowledge. When you've got enough knowledge, you've got all you need. And then you kind of pick up things easily. In a lazy kind of way, you pick up all kinds of stuff, but if you're thirsting for knowledge, then look at the state that your mind is in. I got to know, I got to know, I got to know. And then you kind of miss out on a whole lot of stuff that's happening because you're not paying attention to that. You're only paying attention to that, which you want to know.
2: So that's kind of a narrowing. I want to know about this, that. Then I focus in in on that.
1: Where in fact, by focusing in on that, I forget that that and this are already out here someplace if I'd only just allow them to come tap me on the shoulder instead of focusing on something that I want. This is the problem with uh, the translation of the word samati in the Pali. Because it does not at all mean concentration. That often we concentrate on something out of desire
2: and want and greed, rather than opening up to that which is available to us. (laughs) So samatha means something
1: else. It means including all the various ingredients that are needed. And so this is kind of a holistic way of doing things.
4: Collecting, right? Collecting.
1: Right. Collecting. Is it like uh, understanding? Well, collecting, first off, the jhana factors. That's the first thing that we learn to collect together. Those five factors are six, depending upon which sutta that you read. But the five factors always start with removal of unwholesome thoughts. Removal of the hindrances, removal of the greed, the ill will. That's the first thing that we do. And so the question is, how do we do that? And the answer to that is by uh, substituting those hindrances, those unwholesome thoughts, with wholesome thoughts. And now we're not in a state of hindrance anymore. And so uh, by applying the mind to that is also one of the ingredients. You have to apply the mind in order to be free from the hindrances. When you sustain the mind to be free from the hindrances, then it will remain free. And so applying sustained thought is actually applying the mind to the wholesome and continuing with wholesome thoughts. And one of the most important in wholesome thoughts is Everything is okay, everything is fine, everything is at rest, everything is peaceful, everything is safe and secure, there's no dangers, and as I sit here, I can just relax. So this is the kind of wholesome thoughts that we will have that allow us to feel satisfied and relaxed and um, at ease and safe and secure. And so that's another jhana factor is feeling safe and secure and at ease and satisfied. This is the thing that's called sukha. And sukha is exactly opposite in Pali of the word dukkha. So now we, because we've gotten ourselves into a state of satisfaction, we've already gotten the third noble truth. Now we have to recognize that we have gotten it. This is it. And that is the wow factor. Wow. How good this stuff is. And that's also the change of attitude when the loser actually gains the win. Now he can gain the confidence that he can win again. And so we start building up that Sama which is also the pity and the first jhana, to where we really feel like a champion. We feel like shaking our arms in the air with great Jubilee and shout. I've got this. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was hard, yes. and it wound up being easy. It's good yes. stuff. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Okay, that's the Sama <laughs> That's the pity. That's the wowness that we can add to it. Wow, I've got this thing. And when we have that together, then the last item on the list is the relaxation. Now that I've got it, I could relax. And now we've got the factors of the jhana or the uh, samati of the first jhana, but guess what? We also have the same samati of the right organization of the mind. So we now have the conclusion of right view, right effort, right sati and right attitude. When we bring those things together, we're also bringing together the five items or six items of the of the first jhana that also brings the mind into unification, leaving two questions. One is, can we sustain this? And the other question is, now that we've got it, what are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. So the question then to ask at this point would be, um, if a mind is split for work, what's the work? What do we do with it? And the answer is a joke, Right, because that's what we've been doing. We've been investigating. Now we've got the mind fit for work. Our investigation will be superior. It will be better because now we're investigating in a different way because in the old days we were investigating the distinction between wholesome and unwholesome. Now all we have left is wholesome things to investigate. So now we're talking about levels of skills. So... One of the skills that we have that we can investigate is how's my sati? How's my investigation? I'm actually going to investigate my investigation skills. Also investigate my ability to sustain the mind and investigate what is sukha. How good can I feel? investigate pity how much wow can i have for the moment that in fact when we really experience how good we feel and really experience this wow the mind is not thinking this is not a dialogue between uh gladdening the mind and how you should feel and then the feeling this is when the feelings themselves become so predominant That the thinking part of the mind, the discursive part of the mind is so wrapped up into the feeling that all we're doing now with our mind moments is experiencing how nice this is, how grand this is, how marvelous this is. And so once we do that, we recognize, hey, I can come back and do that anytime I want to. I can come back and experience how reality really is, how marvelous things really are when I stop spreading my own shit all over it <laughs> <laughs> and just see how good we can feel. So this is how this is what we do with the mind that's good to work is that we set it to the task of improving the skills that we've already been developing, even to the point of the skill of really understanding the feelings and how we create feelings, because we're already practicing that of being able to change the way we feel from the change from the the way we
2: feel as a victim into the way that we feel as a champion. One, if we can one remember. thing you said. One thing you said
4: that uh, I found really helpful uh, once you're in, jhana, the question like what to do next is like you're talking about how when we read a book, like we sometimes we'll read a page and then we read that entire page, but we didn't even understand one word of it. And we have to go back and read it again.
1: But then Mm -hmm. when you read it. But the second time you'll pay more attention now, won't you? (laughs) Because you woke up that you didn't get it the first time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah
4: so the second time you read it line by line it's like you're reading the 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 wholesome thoughts and the the sukkah and the good feelings and the peace like you You just read it like line by line
1: as it happens. Line by line, the reality of the text that we're reading uh, is very similar then to the reality of the moment that we should be reading the reality rather than having the eyes go across the page of reality to where the mind is thinking of something else and not really paying attention to what we're reading.
2: So it's seeing what's what's right, right here right now Uh huh. that I have actually seen children
1: in school have to be in the position of reading a paragraph out loud. And at the end of it, they can't they don't have a clue about what they read, even though they actually pronounced the words and read it out loud. They just weren't paying attention to what they were doing. OK. And so this is this is very similar to reading. You could say that when someone is reading correctly and paying attention to what they're reading, that's first jhana. All you need to do now is take the book away and continue to read what's real. And when you continue to read what's really real, you really feel good. And now you're developing the rest of the parts of the first jhana, is that you can pay attention to the real. And you could feel really, really great. And so that you could say then that reading is a really uh, excellent example for students to learn what first jhana is. But if you can't read and get the gist out of it, then that that means that you're not going to do the first jhana because you're going to be thinking about first jhana or thinking about what you read about rather than actually continuing to read and get the value of what's real. That's a really good example. I've used it before. Scott?
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you used it in a sangha call, and then I started reading, uh, so to speak, reading, and um, uh-huh. it, it, it was great, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thing that the teachers don't even bother to tell the students. They say, oh, you should read, but they don't tell, oh, and by the way, when you're reading, you should actually read. <laughs> you should actually pay attention <laughs> to what you're <laughs> reading. <laughs> 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 I was really late in university before that I ever figured that out. I remember one particular textbook on mathematics. It was on calculus, and I was so happy and interested in it that I read the first chapter of the book before classes started. And then I read the second chapter. And when I got into the third chapter, I was completely lost and frustrated. And when I told that to the teacher, he said. Did you do the examples at the end of each chapter? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's the point, is, is that we read without actually understanding, and then we don't actually do the, the, the examples or we don't take the test. So, this uh, part of Anapanasati is, is that that's the actual doing the examples at the end of the Dhamma talk. That's the real practice.
2: Is to really not,
1: understand the dhamma. You got to think about it and mull it over and
2: and 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 fix it in place. Yes, yes, Scott. Uh, it's not. It's not.
4: There's nothing to it, though.
1: It's not that big a deal. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not a big deal if you do the examples. If you don't do the examples, or if you don't actually pay attention to what's going on in the mind, then your meditation will be hard for a long time until you do start paying attention to what the mind is doing that's what sati is all about
4: oh yeah like the the least the least amount of effort to get the job done
1: mm-hmm. right mhm and yet most people are working way too hard they may have to read that page 5 or 6 times and they're still not paying attention <laughs> <laughs> But when you really pay attention, you can see it and then uh, progress is easy. Because you're you're in touch with the territory that you're in right now.
2: That's what makes travel hard is we always think that we're someplace else. (laughs)
4: And it's weird. It's weird. The progress is so much, it's a lot easier. When you feel like you don't need to progress, like you, there's nothing you yeah. need to do,
1: Right, there's no <laughs> place to go anyway. Anyway, there's nothing to do. The progress is recognizing that this is it. There's no progress to be made. This is, I mean, if you're good enough,
4: <laughs> that's the paradox I always get stuck in. Is like, yeah, just like really understanding there's nothing to do uh, progresses your spiritual path. So much, like exponentially faster.
3: But
4: then you're still. <laughs> but then it's like you're still regret, progress- like there's still things to do. Like you still, you still, um, you still let go. Like you throw out, keep throwing out unwholesome thoughts, and then realize, recognize, oh, I'm in jhana or I'm out of jhana, and then let's remember how to get back into jhana. Mm-hmm. And then that's like that seems like that seems like something to do, but it's it works better if you don't have to do it. I don't know. it does <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it seems like you have to do something, but
1: it, it's it hard has to do with it. no, it's not. That's about what I was about to talk about. It has to do with your level of intention. In other words, if you if your intention is strong or your uh, sama is strong, then it's the, then there is nothing to it. The doing part is from the victimhood the part that makes it hard
4: oh okay
1: okay rather than just merely having the attitude of oh boy, i can do this oh yeah
4: yeah, yeah. Okay. okay so like okay, doing it you, as a champion yeah
1: mm-hmm, doing it as a champion never mind you haven't done it in 30 years i can do it right now the western mind is, is to spank yourself for 30 years of not doing it <laughs> And after you're sufficiently punished, now you have a chance of doing it. Except that by now you've probably forgotten about it because you're too busy looking for new ways to punish yourself. (laughs) Right, so instead of punishing ourselves for not doing something, the better thing to do is to congratulate ourselves for remembering that we can do it right now, which there's nothing to do. <laughs> that's what I There <laughs> really is so, just just nothing to do. It's like we can stop doing it right now. Right? hmm Yeah, we can start doing uh, stop, stop doing right now. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that's what you're saying before, it's a subtractive. It's right. no, you're not adding something, it's a subtraction.
1: hmm Which means that in that regard, just slowing down is a whole lot better than working at stopping. (laughs) Because stopping is a lot of work in some people's minds. So the easy way to do it is just tap your brakes right now. Just tap them. And when you remember next time, tap your brakes. That's all you have to do is just tap the brakes. Whatever you remember. And pretty soon you'll come to an absolute dead stop. If you keep tapping the brakes. But a lot of us can't tell the difference between the brake and the pedal and the gas pedal.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we need to know what the brakes are so
2: that we can tap them when we remember to tap them And we don't have to come to an emergency stop at all because there really is no emergencies. And yet a lot of people are, they're in an emergency.
1: They've got to do, you know, their spiritual practice right now and get it done. Well, if you do get it done, then what are you going to do? (laughs) (laughs) If the answer is, well, I'll join myself then, the answer to that then is, well, why don't you just enjoy yourself now?
2: You don't have to finish your spiritual journey. What you could do is begin to enjoy it instead. Because it's not a journey at all. When you figure out how enjoyable it is, you'll sit down
1: and enjoy it. And then where's the journey? (laughs) That we recognize that the journey is what we were told that we have to go on. To where, in fact, there's no place to
2: go. And there's nothing to do. Other than the only thing to do is to remember that there is nothing to do. Because we'll keep dreaming of something to do because we were told to dream when we were kids to stay busy. The idle hands of the devil's workshop, you know, you got to stay busy. You got to produce. How dare you leave this world with it not being a better place? The answer
1: is, yeah, I can leave the world without it being a better place. It's already good enough. You're the one who wants to make it better. Why don't you go making it better instead of complaining about what I'm doing? Because I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> 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 and so this is the via negative, as we say. The uh, the subtraction. What happens when you've subtracted and um, and subtracted and subtracted? What is there left? The answer to that is nothing. Well, you could have had nothing all along. <laughs> there was nothing to it in the first place. So why do we even bother to do all this subtraction?
4: <laughs> he's talking about like the he's talking about the full uh, enlightenment. But like, I love the way you talk about it, Don Murato. I love how you talk about it so simply and so like. It's like, it's such a joy. That's, that's amazing.
1: (laughs) Yes. Because it's easy to do. And you can become enlightened anytime you remember to become enlightened. And the only times that you're not enlightened is when you forget that you're already enlightened. Or once you become enlightened, then then what? (laughs) If you want to become enlightened, then that's a guarantee that you're in a
2: victimhood wanting something that you don't have. Instead of relishing that you've got everything you need. Got all I want. Gosh, everything is just so okay. I don't need anything. In fact, uh, I I need nothing. In fact, I don't
1: even need nothing. I've already got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I got plenty of nothing.
2: (laughs) and so nothing is good enough I know that I'm playing with words but they're fun to play with (laughs) no it's good it's great
1: (laughs) (laughs) that in fact you can think of it like this that the actual teaching of the Buddha is nothing but a word game that's all it is And when you learn to play the game and get really good at it, you'll see there's nothing to it.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That it's
1: just a word game. But by playing this word game, it's a whole lot better than the word
2: games that people are playing other places. Word games like lies. And deceit. And greed. That kind of thing so but
1: it's all just a word game that we play in the mind so let's learn to play wholesome
2: games and then we can see that it's all a game and then we can see that there's nothing to that game but when we think the game's important now we got a problem
1: (laughs) and the problem is this heavy game that we're playing called society this heavy game that we're playing called religion or this heavy
2: game called career. These are all games that we pick up and they're all empty. There's nothing to them.
1: And so we begin to play a better game, which is the game of the uh, Dhamma or playing with the words themselves until we recognize that it's all just a game and that we can play the part that we want to play. You've heard Shakespeare has said all the world's a stage and everyone on that stage is an actor. You've heard that, huh? I would add to that, that not only are we all on stage playing a part, but we're reading a script and every one of us is bound to read that script. For some reason, I don't know why. And where did the script come from? We collected it when we were kids. We wrote the book when we were kids, and as adults, we're reading that same book that we wrote when we were kids. And when we begin to recognize that, we can set that book down and start playing on stage with all those other people that are reading out of their book, and you recognize that that's not a whole lot of fun. But the fun part is to go sit in the audience, which is quite empty because very few people are sitting in the audience. Everybody else is on stage and we can just watch the show. We don't have yeah. to fix it or plan it or make it any better or not. We could just enjoy the show because the show is marvelous, even though the stage is filled with people
2: who don't recognize that they're just actors on a stage. But we don't have to act. We're lazy. We're going to go sit in the audience and just enjoy the show. And we can put ourselves in that state of mind. Easily, we call it that the first jhana.
1: is just being able to see what's going on and we can enjoy it to enjoy the show. Rather than complaining about the actor setting, standing
2: beside me, stepping on my foot and reading my lines. which has to do with ownership and control
1: and all of that kind of stuff. But when you recognize, hey, we don't own this stage, we can't control anything that's
2: happening, but we can enjoy the show. That that's, in fact, what the self and selfishness is all about, is when we think we own the place. when in fact, we don't own the place. But we don't need to own the place And
1: in fact, another way of looking at it is, is that we're we're the higher kind of manager that is instead of trying to change one thing on the stage. The best thing to do if we're the real boss, the real director of this show is to go sit in the audience. That's one of the things you do know about stage place is the as the director should not be an actor. That plays that have both the director and an actor as the same guy, it's not as good as you have a, a director that's off stage. So, are you going to be the main actor on your stage or are you going to be the director off stage? That's the way of looking at it, also, is let's get off
2: our own stage and just watch the show. Okay, so that getting off the stage and watching the show then is to remember
1: to put that script down. Remember to change what we're thinking about, that we don't have to think about the things that we're in the habit of thinking about. We can think about something brand new with the only criteria
2: is is that it's real and harmless, If it's not real, it may not be harmless at all. Unreal things wind up being quite dangerous.
1: And so putting that twin criteria of real and harmless
2: and being joyful is both real and harmless. <sighs> Go, Ron, You have anything to say? Um, no, that's
0: that's quite interesting, and there's a lot more, uh, a lot new uh, information. Okay. I mean, a lot of new uh, knowledge that I need to digest. I think I will listen to this talk uh, a lot more
2: times. <laughs> okay. Uh, Great. It was Scott, how
1: about you? Do you have anything to add? Oh, uh,
4: yeah, I'm glad I joined. I enjoyed the show. It was it was fun being uh, in, the, in the audience.
1: Very, very good. Very good. <laughs> well, let's finish this call, Ben. And guys, I'm really glad that we had this. This is quite, quite good.
2: Thank you very much. All right you guys about okay see you